every time I start a new podcast, uh, and this is what our 15th podcast of Gray Matters, every single time I start a new podcast, I am overwhelmed with the amount of information that I want to share with you. I feel so driven to share the hard-won knowledge that I've learned over the past eight years as I transition from traditional business to online business. And knowing that so many of you are at so many different milestones on this path, it's, it's a kind of a daunting task to know exactly what level to be presenting content to so that I'm not speaking over your heads, but I'm also not speaking down to you. I want, I want to make sure that we, that we hit the right, that we hit the right temperature with the content that we create. So if I, if I am speaking over your head or down to you, forgive me, I'm doing the best I can, but there is just so much that I want to share today. Oh my goodness. What you should be spending your time and money on as you build out your online business, as you transition from traditional, uh, traditional work to online. We are going to be discussing what to spend your time and money on today on Gray Matters. Steve Dotto here. How the heck are you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for those of us in the gray zone. What is the gray zone? Primarily baby boomers and Gen X, those of us sporting a touch of gray. We're interested in finding our place in the digital age. On this podcast, we will learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, all from our perspective. The world's changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore. We're facing the prospect of a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need a side hustle to take our experience and put it to work for us. We need to develop mad skills, adapt, and evolve in order to remain relevant in the digital age. I can help. This podcast can help. I'm glad you found us. When you're first starting out and when you're first transitioning into online business or looking at the opportunity to reinvent yourself from a traditional business, there is just so much to learn. When I started, when I transitioned from doing television and radio to doing online, I felt like I was drinking from a fire hose, the amount of information that was flowing in, and I had a ravenous appetite for it. I just, I I couldn't get enough. I listened to all the podcasts, I read all the blogs, I watched all the YouTube videos, and and I assimilated all of these different ideas and concepts to the point where I I felt that I started to have some comprehension of what the whole online space, what the content marketing space looked like and how I could bring value to that equation and ultimately make money. But each one of us is going to have a very different path as we grow our business. And that's something that I need you all to understand. And it's something that I have to keep reminding myself of constantly. You're all not going to follow the same path I did, and you're all going to follow your own unique path to success online because success is going to look different to each and every one of you. So all we can do here on the podcast is try and set a good baseline for understanding. Make sure that we have the nomenclature, that you understand the basic principles and the basic concepts to the point that you can start to apply your own profound skill set to this space. So today I thought we'd take a look at first steps. The things that you should be investing in early. Now, you're obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're willing to invest some time and energy into learning the skills that are required to be successful in an online space. Uh, but if you are in transition, what are the best 
places to spend your money on. I mean, what are these tools of all of these tools that we talk about, of all of these social networks that we talk about? Where should you be spending your time and energy and resources as you build a business? What are the what are the baseline pieces that are gonna that you're gonna be able to build success upon? So I'm gonna go through some tools, some of some assets that you need to have in place, uh, some software and uh, some investments that you should be making as far as tools and infrastructure, and also some uh, talking about personnel and people, who you should be considering hiring first, what are the first hires you should make to help uh, to help you move the ball downfield. And so we're going to look at those three main areas. We're going to talk about tools to start, or at, that tools is maybe a bit of a misnomer. I should call it assets instead. And for any online business, it's, it's a little bit old school, but the main assets that we need to have in place are really the same assets that have been around for maybe 20 years in this space. Yeah, I hate to say it, and I know you probably don't want to hear it, but you need to start with a website. You need to start with a website still. And I know a lot of people are going to tell you, wait a minute, Steve, there's so many good social platforms. There's Facebook, there's Instagram. There's all these places that I can stake a claim. Uh, YouTube, I can, I, can, I can create a channel and I can get followers and subscribers and people that consume all of my content. Do I really need a website if I'm engaging an audience in these spaces? And the answer is yes, you do. Yes, you still need a website. And the reason you need a website are one, two, three, four. I can think of four reasons right away. First of all, you need a home for your content. But to be fair, uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, they all give you a home for your content to live. Should should they be? Uh, should they still be a welcoming and open home for you? But here is the challenge with you using a social network as a home, as a home base, is you can be disenfranchised from that network at a stroke of, or a click of a mouse. You can make a mistake, somebody can file a complaint, you can be hacked. There's a variety of different points that, can, that could happen, different issues that could come up that could cause Facebook to ban you or Instagram to ban you or YouTube to delete your account. And if that happens and you have built your entire empire on in this house of cards in this in in this network you can be completely removed from your community instantly and it is devastating i was just watching a video on youtube of a instagrammer who a young woman who had built a following of a couple hundred thousand people following her on instagram i don't know why but instagram deleted her account she was devastated she she was destitute to a certain extent she was talking about the fact that she has no marketable skills she has to go back to work and she doesn't want to work a nine to five job, which is understandable. Uh, I mean, you can be forgiven for thinking the person's being a little bit whiny, being a young person who's made their living on Instagram, but it brings sharply into focus how easy it is for us to be, to be removed from our access to our community if we build our entire community in somebody else's platform. And that is the case. If you do it in Instagram, if you do it in Facebook, if you build your entire community on YouTube, this isn't to say that you can't grow and nurture a community in all of these places, but ultimately you have to have a strategy in place right from the beginning to transition people from the discovery engine that is YouTube and Instagram, the place that they consume and kind of get to know you. You have to have a mechanism to move them onto your own website so they know where you live, come into your home, and ultimately share their email address with you so you have permission to communicate with them regardless what happens with the other networks. 
every single YouTube subscriber I have, every single Facebook follower I have is actually Facebook or YouTube's customer, not mine. The only people who I believe are my customers are the people who I have your email address. And most of you are probably in that case. You've, you've subscribed to our newsletter. You have signed up for our webinars. You, I have your email address, and I regularly communicate with you through email as well as through the other social platforms of choice, including this podcast. But the bottom line is, if I don't have you in my own database, then you are somebody else's customer. You are somebody else's community member. And the place that you transition people from being somebody else's to yours is through your website. There has to be an opt-in page. There has to be some sort of a, a list builder or some reason for people to share their email address with you to be, to, for them to feel comfortable to become a part of your community. And we'll talk about this in future podcasts and other, other uh, sources online do a terrific job of teaching you how to grow your email list and build your email list. And part and parcel of that is making sure you have the home for that email list to live, which is your website. It is essential. It, you, there's lots of other benefits to a website as well. I mean, the, the there are mechanisms within your website that allow you to create tracking pixels so you know who's visited your site, you know what they're interested in. It helps you to market to them more effectively as you move on. But the bottom line is your first and most important investment at the start of an online business is building a website which is comprehensive and on point for your brand and a place to drive traffic to that you own and is yours. It is a little bit boring, but it is absolutely essential. The second asset that you need in place is the is what we've already talked about is making sure you have a database program as a, a customer relationship manager or an email management program that allows you to collect people's email addresses and to be able to communicate with them send email to them and also to classify people as they come into your community now regardless of what type of online presence you have you're going to have a variety of different people who are interested in different facets of your business who are going to sign up for your newsletter or are going to enroll and become part of your community it's really important right from the beginning that you can determine what area of your business these people are interested in and typically speaking in a crm or a customer relationship manager or an email management tool we tag people as they become members so we know exactly how they came into our community and what their most interested in. If you look at the daughter tech business that I run, I've got people who are interested in the productivity tools such as Evernote and Asana and all of the Google tools that I use. And then I have a whole other group of people who are interested in the social and online marketing side, such as this podcast. I have to make sure, depending on which of my products you opt in on, that I am demarking you correctly so that I know if you're interested in online marketing or if I know you're interested in productivity. Because there's a big difference between the two as far as the type of communications that I may choose to send to you and certainly the type of offers that I may, might be making to you if I'm ultimately selling a product to you. So being able to properly classify people as they come into your, as they come into your community and then be able to communicate with them effectively as they are part of your community, that is a worthwhile investment. And that is number two on my list. So the first two foundational pieces that you're going to be putting in place ultimately as you build an online business are boring old website and boring old CRM or database. And let me give you some advice on some places to look to create this. Now, if you do 
have the ability to be able to roll up your sleeves and dive in and do a lot of the building yourself, I really encourage you to do that. I encourage you wherever possible to know exactly what the potential and the capabilities of your tools are, even if it takes you longer to get those tools in place before they're before they're ready for the public to use them. Uh, so for example, when I started the, in my business, one of the first things that I did was I rolled up my sleeves and I learned how to use WordPress. I learned how to create a WordPress site and I created my first two of the kind of the next generation Dotto tech sites. Once I stopped doing television, I built my first two websites myself. And I have to say, they were awful. They were not very good sites, but I learned so much about what I could do with a tool like WordPress, with a framework like WordPress. Now, I'm not saying that in this day and age, you have to roll up your sleeves and learn how to use WordPress. In fact, I think that's rather excessive for most of us. But there are website builders that you can use that will give you an opportunity to discover what the potential of is and the capability is for you to create for a website. So tools like Wix or Weebly will allow you to create a simple website that you could that's very functional as far as all of the things that we need to have in place such as being able to put in opt-ins build our list host our data host our content represent our brand we can do all of those with a very simple and basic site as your business evolves you will reach the point where you will probably end up hiring somebody to develop a much more fully featured website But I believe that that is phase two. Phase one, you have to understand what the website can do for you, what it does do for you, and building it yourself is, I think, a really healthy exercise if it is inside of your wheelhouse, if it's something that you can handle and that you can do. So building your website, number one. Far more challenging is enrolling and setting up your CRM, your customer relationship manager. Now, that was another phase that I went through just a year into building my business is I purchased Infusionsoft, which is a fairly high-end CRM. It was more than I needed at the time, but I recognized that I needed that. I needed the support of a tool like Infusionsoft in order to grow my business to where I wanted. Now, Infusionsoft is a full-featured CRM. It allows me to uh, manage my newsletter, my email list, but it also has an e-commerce engine built in so that I can sell products through it and I can track all of my sales and manage all of my purchases and my customers within it as well. Plus, I can build full on email funnels where I have logic built into email sequences. Whereas if you open this email and you open this email, then I send you this email. But if you haven't opened the second one, then I send you this other email as a third email. Very sophisticated email funnels that walk people through the process of learning about different products that we want to sell. All of this is a, it's a challenge. It's Actually, Infusionsoft has changed their name, uh, but they used to be. The reason is because they used to be called Confusionsoft. Everybody made fun of them, said it was such a difficult program to use. I completely disagree with that concept. It's no more difficult to use than the other CRMs that have the same capabilities, such as Entreport or Active Campaign. They all have the same basic structure and. The things that they do are complex. So by nature, the tools themselves can be somewhat complicated. But, and here's the big but, when you choose a tool like that, if you learn how to manage that tool yourself and build your business practices around the tool, then you are in a far better position entrepreneurial-wise to grow your business because you will understand the tools and the mechanisms for growth. If you rely on somebody else to do it, just like if you rely on 
find somebody else to build your website, you don't necessarily know what the potential and the capabilities of that tool is. So you are, to a certain extent, flying blind. I know a lot of people who transition out of traditional work into online business who hire people to manage their website, to manage their CRM. And on the surface, that seems like a really intelligent thing to do. Because you're getting an expert that knows what they're doing and there's far less uh, downtime in them learning what to do in order to make the tool work in your business. But you give up a lot of control. And I think it instills a lot of fear in many of us in the fact that we suddenly start becoming afraid of the technology that we're using and in some cases intimidated by the people who are running those programs for us because we have no idea what life looks like if they aren't running the program for us. So taking things slowly and learning to use the tools that ultimately your business will be built upon is, I think, a really best practice. A really best practice is a best practice that we can all undertake in growing and building our online business. Now, once you've got those two pieces in place, your website and a CRM, once you're well on the path to having those tools in place, you can start to determine what other tools you need in order to meet your business objectives. For example, having a good project management tool so you can manage the flow of content as you create it. In my case, I use a tool called Asana, which we have videos on the YouTube channel about. But those other tools will come kind of naturally as an outgrowth after you've got those first two big prime building blocks in place of website and CRM, because those two are the delivery mechanisms for so much of what you create. All of your blogs, content, videos, podcasts, all of those are going to be delivered to a community through your website as well as communication coming back, and all of your email and calls to action are going to be managed through your CRM. Now, once you've got those pieces in place, and I realize I'm jumping ahead really fast now, let's talk about some of the people that you might be putting in place. And I think a lot of people would think, uh, although you probably are now disabused of that notion, that the first people that you should be hiring are people to design a website for you or manage your CRM. I don't think that's the case. I think that the people, the first people that you should be hiring are often going to be people who will help offload some of the administrative drudgery that we undertake. So uh, if you if you want to hire a bookkeeper early on, or if you want to hire a VA, a virtual assistant, who can help you with a lot of the a lot of the day-to-day administrative functions that every business requires, I think that those positions are far more important to hire early on than higher skilled positions. I think the fact that we're learning a new business model, that we're having to that we're on a voyage of discovery with learning about what the whole world of online business looks like, it's important for us not to offload those responsibilities, but instead to learn those skills ourselves and be a little bit more patient in bringing people on that are highly skilled so that we can evolve the skills ourselves. And then once you do make those hires, once you are in a position to be hiring people who can handle some of the higher level processes that your business is involved in, then hiring somebody that knows more about the tool than you do is a great idea because now you can have an intelligent dialogue with them, learn from them, and your systems will evolve even in a more sophisticated manner than they might have. So slowly bringing on people, starting with lower end people who offload a lot of the drudgery from you and before you bring on the higher skilled people is the strategy that I would always prefer to undertake. 
Now, what about increasing your skills? Obviously, I've talked to you about the fact that you might want to learn to use a tool like WordPress. You're definitely going to want to learn how to manage your CRM or your email tool. So those are skills that you're going to want to build on yourself and you're going to want to learn about. Uh, But typically speaking, those skills you can just learn from doing, from kind of rolling up your sleeves and working with the tools. Other skills that I would invest in myself and I wish I had invested in in myself earlier on would be better writing skills, learning to become a better copywriter. One of the biggest challenges I found in my business and speaking to other content creators, one of the biggest challenges most of us feel we have is writing good, effective copy, good, effective emails, good, effective web copy. Uh, Because we know typically what happens when you think about that, that process is we've got to download our knowledge to a copywriter who then has to parrot it back to us. And then we have to go through an iterative editing process with that person in order to get it in our voice and to make sure that all of the key points are being delivered on the page when people read the copy that is being written. I believe that it's a far more efficient thing for us to learn to be a good copywriter ourselves, And it's a skill that is hard won, I can tell you. I don't think it comes naturally to many of us, but there are some great copywriting courses and some great tutorials and some great uh, mentors that you can follow that will help you understand the basis of good copywriting. And this is a skill that you can improve dramatically over a fairly short period of time. The other things that I think you should, uh, other things that I think you should be investing in is building yourself a better set of friends. Now, I'm not saying in a disparaging way at all that the current friends that we have, the current circle that we run in is not good for us because obviously they're people that are of value to you. But as I talked about in episode 14 of our podcast in in last week's episode, you are the sum of the five people. There's a, a, a school of thought that you are the sum of the five people you spend most time with. So the people who you spend time with around your business should have an understanding of online business, which often our friends and our family don't. We often, if we describe to them what we're doing in the online space, they look at us like we have three heads. They just have no comprehension of what this content marketing, online marketing world is all about. So making sure that you make friends with others and that you build a network of people who you can talk and bounce ideas off of, of people who are in the same space as you is essential. And I can't think of a better way to do that than either signing up for some really good online courses that have good social interaction built in. A a, a course like Marie Forleo's B-School that has such a rich and vibrant uh, social network that's attached to it through all of the Facebook groups and how people come together and support each other and help. A course like that is going to help a lot. Failing that, going to some good events, uh, either local meetup events of people who are interested in online marketing in your local community, or if you have the wherewithal, traveling and going to the bigger events like Social Media Marketing World, or next week I'm going to Social Media Camp in Victoria, where you meet other people who are in the same space and can build relationships with those people. The early days that I spent going to Social Media Marketing World and the contacts that I met in those first few times that I went to these conferences are have become friends and confidants and advisors and they've become my posse. They've become people who I rely on to make my product better and I believe that I make their product better. We've become friends and accountability partners and trusted advisors. You need to build that group as well. So those are the things that I think you should be considering investing in as you start 
start to build your business. First and foremost, the two pillars of your online business, your CRM and your newsletter. Then getting some people into your organization that can help allow you to do the things that you need to do, taking away some of the drudgery and the administrative work and supporting you so that you can do the more creative things and the tasks that move your business venture ahead. Then investing in some additional skills. I think writing is the most valuable skill we can still have in the online space. Learning to be a better writer is time well spent. And then building your network, getting people who you can share ideas with, who you can turn to for advice, who you can edify yourself by giving them ideas. And I learn as much when somebody tells me their problems and I realize that I might have a solution or it allows me to look at my problems from a different perspective as they present their challenges. It all helps move the ball downfield and helps me understand this business that much with that much greater clarity. Now, I'd love to hear your feedback. One of the things about this podcast is the nature of podcasts is we don't get great dialogue happening because of people are listening to them on their phone and they aren't necessarily going to a blog post, et cetera, in order to, and they're not in an environment that makes it easy to comment. So here is the thing I want to encourage. If you have a comment that you'd like to share, if you have an idea that you'd like to share with me, please visit our blog post at dototech.com slash gray15. This is the 15th episode of Gray Matters, and they're all demarked the same way. That'll bring you to the blog post, which includes this podcast, but there's also a comment section there, and that is the best place to reach out and let me know what you're thinking of this podcast, ideas that you have, and it's a chance for you to interact with me and help shape and craft this podcast into something more valuable as we head along this journey together. With that, I have to thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time right here on Grey Matters. I'm Steve Dotto. Have fun storming a castle.